1: looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
2: Well, it goes a little bit further here. It says, wisdom will multiply your days and add years to your life. Now, I thought about that for a moment. How how could I make that as an application? I think it'd be this way. We live in a very busy world. I don't care how much technology that we have. We know that sometimes technology gets us even further behind because there's just so much to keep up with and then they want you to upgrade and then you got to redo your computer. You know how all that goes. But really what this is saying is if you want to have more time in your day, better days, longer days, more days, it's going to come when you make better decisions. How many of us made wrong decisions because we didn't seek God's word or principles and we just made that decision and now we're living the consequences of it and it has messed up our life. We are now carrying the burden of the consequences of trying to get caught up or watch this. We went down this path without seeking God's wisdom and we found out that it was wrong, but to go down this path, it's almost impossible to turn from that path to go down this other path over here and our days are just so jammed with so much to do. There's a book out talking about how to live within our margins and the set margins. Why don't we do that? Is because we didn't follow the biblical principles of setting margins and the wisdom. So our days are all confounded. And then I looked at the last part of this verse, and it says here, it says, and add years to your life. Now, I can't promise you that you won't get cancer. I can't promise you, you won't have a heart attack. I can't promise you that you may not be in an automobile accident or heaven forbid a crime that brings demise to your life. I can't promise that. But I can promise you this, that when you're in the driver's seat and you're following biblical principles, that's wisdom, applying your life from God's perspective, that your chances of living longer are much greater. Let me give you one simple example. When you begin to read the newspaper, whether you do it locally, statewide, or nationally, read how many people in this next year are going to die a horrible, unnecessary death in an automobile accident because they were texting or because they were drinking or for whatever reason they weren't paying attention. Probably because they weren't just simply obeying the laws. And God said, wisdom is to obey the laws that are set before us. So again, we can have a longer life, more days in our life, if we just acquire wisdom. And that's a wonderful benefit of having wisdom in our life. It goes on to say that wise people's lives... Wise people's lives get better and better. That's because we make less mistakes. Let me read one more. I think you got the message now of why having wisdom is important. I want to read to you Proverbs chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. And when I do, I want you to see in this one passage of scripture that there's going to be seven benefits just from having wisdom in one little capsule. It says, wisdom offers you the following. Number one, long life as well as to wealth. Now, you might uh, pause on that. You might say, you mean if I'm really wise, I'm going to be rich? No, it didn't say rich. It said wealth. And let me remind you that wealth is a relative term. What does it mean when I say wealth is a relative term? I think I'm really wealthy if I compare myself to people that don't have as much. On the other hand, I see myself as very poor if I compare myself to those that have a great deal more than I do. So wealth is really relative. So really, wealth is this to you. you, Here it is. You will have all that God wants you in resources. All that he wants you to have is when you live a life with wisdom in it. So it could be that you think you're pretty wealthy now, but who knows what you could be, relatively speaking, what God wants you to have, but you're preventing it to be in your life. Others of you are enjoying some satisfaction of having your needs easily met because at this time in your life, you look back and you said, I made all the right choices. I'm using my money wisely, getting it, guarding it, and giving it the way I should biblically And I was wise in doing that because I followed God's principles. And I'm now living a life that has a degree of my basic needs are met. That would be defining your wealth. Your basic needs in life are met. So that's a very important thing. He goes on to say in the passage, and wisdom will lead you safely through it, through this life. Those who become wise are happy. Wisdom will give them life i like to add this to that thought, and that is that if you're wanting to be liked in this life, if you're wanting to be respected in this life, think about that. If you want to be liked in this life and respected in this life, wisdom will give you that. Now, let me clarify that. Obviously, you will not be liked by the world because the world doesn't value your value of what wisdom is and the choices you make to have that wisdom in your life. So they're going to spurn you reject you, neglect you, forget you. That's what the world will do. But those people that really matter in your life, the ones you really would appreciate that they would respect you and honor you and value you, they're going to really lean into you when you have wisdom in your life. Why is that? With us Because wise people are generally not just wise people that sit around in a monastery with all their wisdom around them. Wise people are those who go out after other people and in some measure touch their life to add value to them in their relationship with the Lord. In other words, they're caring, sharing kind of people. You'll be respected when you have wisdom, because you will have answers that will work, because they're biblical. So those are some reasons why we might very seriously consider really leaning into having wisdom in our life. So where can we find wisdom? A moment ago, I held up my Bible. or I held up a device that you can download a free Bible. As long as you're getting into God's word. I remember when um, I trusted Christ as Savior, I was 16. It was in November, about the second week of November. I was reared in a home where we never had a Bible. We never said grace. We never read scripture. We never went to church. Somewhere I knew that the Bible was a very special, powerful book probably even thought that this must be God's mind, it is truth that God wants to give to us. Where I got that, even to this day, I don't know, but there was a value system within me that trusted the veracity of Scripture, even though I didn't know the Old Testament from the New Testament, even though I thought that when I finally got a Bible that all the books of the Bible must be in alphabetical order, You know, but they're not, okay? But I can remember this. On Christmas of 1966, I came to Carol's house and she was there with her family and they were handing out gifts and for whatever reason, Carol decided to get me a gift. And like she's always been a very purposed person in helping other people, she led me to Christ in high school. We were not boyfriends and girlfriends and nothing like that. Just I was a lost kid, got saved, came to her house because they were gracious enough to invite this kid. When I came, I opened up for the first time a Bible, albeit it was an old Schofield Bible, albeit it was a hardback Bible, and I often refer to it today as the original manuscripts because I'm so old. But apart from all of that, she wrote on the inside of that, on the fly leaf of the Bible, when you open it up, it said, Dear Stan, and she said, Either sin will keep you from this book, or this book will keep you from sin. Read it daily. So I began reading scripture. Starting with the Bible, didn't know a whole lot. So and so be got so and so and so and so be got so and so and so and so be got so and so and so and so be got so and so, and I didn't know what the word "begot" meant. All right, so I didn't know a lot about Scripture. I got that, but I will tell you, it started me on a journey of realizing that if there is wisdom, the wisdom must be in God, and if I'm to have wisdom, God has to get His wisdom to me some way. And there's only one way that I think He could get it to me the most accurately It's going to be through the Bible. When Carol and I were married. I made a covenant with the Lord that I would read through the Bible once a year, every year of our marriage. I did different translations to kind of freshen it up a bit, but I read through the Bible every year. We've been married 50 years this last year. I've read through it 50 times. Now, I'm going to tell you that it's done a great deal to me, and I'm not here to really brag on this. What I'm telling you that if I needed to find wisdom, I'm going to find it in the book. Now, I don't want to throw away commentaries. I don't want to throw away language helps about the Bible. I don't want to throw away good books that are supplemental resource books for the Bible or any of the software that you might have downloaded into your computer on the Bible. I do not want to push that down. Often, those are tools to help you learn the Bible, but they're not the Bible. Those of you that go to Bible studies, I want to commend you for all of that. But never put the notes of the Bible study above the Bible. You want to make sure that you really learn the Bible. So where are we going to find all this truth? It's going to be found in the Bible. I started to think about what the world thinks of the Bible. See if you agree with me. I'm going to give you four categories and see if you agree with me on any one of these. The world sees the Bible as the best religious or literary book ever written. I think there are people that will say that. This is the best religious book that you could ever find. You've got to find one religious book, get the Bible. Number two, they see it as God's word for those who want to believe it. Frankly, I don't care. I don't really want to believe it. But if you want to believe the Bible, then the Bible works for you. That's good for you. That you want to believe it, that's all right. So that's how people view the Bible. Here's number three. It's the, it's the good book. It's a good book, so everybody ought to at least read the Bible once out of all the books you're reading because it's a good book. It's not a religious book. It's just a book to keep people together so they don't fight one another, blah, blah, blah. So it's a good book. Here's the fourth one, and this one seems to be emer- emerging even more. And they said, it's the worst book that has ever been written. It has little or no value, and it often complicates people's lives. Those of you who've been involved in knowing counselors that are secular counselors, you probably have had friends that have gone to see them because they're highly credentialed and they might be experienced in areas that you need help, and that's fine. And when you go there, they find out that you're a Christian. And I've heard stories of this, and perhaps you have too that when you come in bringing your faith with them and you start explaining that you're a Christian, they'll be very kind, they'll clear their throat a little bit, and they'll kind of try to distance themselves from the word. They'll try to distance you from the word. But if you keep bringing in and pushing that, then they're going to say, you know what? I don't know that we can really help you because you're complicating your life because of the Bible. And if you set that aside and you go into this type of counsel, you'll be better. It sounds so good on the surface, but the reality of it is that doesn't work. I would like to submit to those of you that are listening to me that are not in any one of those four camps that you don't all automatically believe that the whole world believes one of those are the reasons of why they think or what they think of the Bible. Here's what I really want you to know. Listen carefully. There are millions, millions and I think I could honestly say there are billions of people from the time that the Bible was issued as a canon of scripture that believe this is not just the good book. It's not just the best religious book. It's not just a book for those who want to believe it. They would say that this book right here is a living book. It is God's mind on paper. This book is superior to any of the other books. Read the other books if you want, but the book that will transform your life will be this book here. And if you're real quiet, you can almost hear the heartbeat of Christ. There are lawyers and doctors who believe the Bible. There are construction workers that build our roads that believe the Bible is God's mind on paper. There are hairstylists that believe the Bible. There are people in this room that believe the Bible. But let's take it a step further. They not only believe the Bible, but they have come out of their own closet and said that they are willing to die for the word of God. Read Fox's book of Martyrs. Read these books that people today are dying every day because they have staked their life on the unadulterated Word of God, God's mind on paper today. Why do they do that? Because it's the only true book that will clearly and carefully reveal who God is, other than nature and the Spirit. You can trust the book right here, the Bible. And I'd like to say for today, it's also the true wisdom book that we would have in in our life. So we may spend a lot of time on Facebook. I pray we spend more time in his book. I know that we might follow people on Twitter, but I pray that we follow the Lord Jesus Christ and who he is as he's revealed in the book right here. So where are you going to find it? You're going to find it in the Bible. This is not just a how-to list. This is a how-to-live book. Write that down. It's not just a how-to book. It's not a list of things, do's and don'ts. It's a a how-to-live-your-life-in-a-way with wisdom that will really help you get across the line. All right, let's talk about how to get it. Now you want to take out your notes because I'm going to give you ways to how to get this wisdom. We built our case on what is the Bible. We built the case on why it's important. We built the case on at least uh, in a brief way that the wisdom that we want to have from God is going to be found in the Bible right here. And so if we believe that, now the question is how do I get the wisdom that's in the Bible into me, so that when I'm faced for a decision, I can make it. Now, thankfully, some of the biggest decisions we have in our life, we can make when we have time. For example, I didn't um, just run out and marry Carol. We thought about it, talked about it, prayed about it, sought counsel about it, figured out what the word had to say about marriage and being prepared and all of that, so we had time to get married. Most of you, when you buy a car, you research about the car. When you buy a computer, you often do that. You take the time. Now, folks, that's a great thing to do because we know that when we choose the right wife or we choose the right college, that'll fill our mind with whatever it's going to fill our mind with for our career or whatever. When we go into a particular business and how we spend our money and where we go on vacation and all of that stuff, as good as that is, we have time to think about that. And hopefully we can run it through the good of scripture. That's not where I'm at today. Where I'm at today is, what about those times that you don't have time to prepare to make that decision? Think about all the different things that might happen in your life. And I'm not trying to decide whether you want to have a a coffee from Starbucks or from some other coffee shop. As minor as that might be, I'm talking about the things that happen when your son or daughter jumps right into your house and has a question, has a need, and they're in a critical state. You get a phone call when someone is really crashing and burning, they need help right then. Some you'll have a little bit of time. I'm talking about the wisdom that, watch this now, is so much a part of you, it is the very fiber of your being, that you have the wisdom right there because you have already paid the price to take the wisdom of God and put it into your life so you can have that decision, so you can make those choices. So we want to know how do we do that. So Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, and you can take your notes out now, and you might want to mark them because I'm going to spend a lot of time going through this. Number one, I must receive the word of God into my life. Number one, I must receive the word of God into my life. Let's look at verse one. It says, my son, remember this is Solomon talking to his son, if you will receive my saying. So maybe underline the word receive there. Let me kind of step away from that word receiving and just kind of in your margin, I didn't give you much room there, but I'd like you to write down the word read, R-E-A-D, read. When you receive his word, you can hear it. We'll talk about that in a moment. It's a little different dynamic, but we're going to talk about reading. I'm going to receive his word because I'm going to the Bible, and I'm now going to read what it has to say. The word received there in the Hebrew means to take along with you or to take it in. When I receive it, that means I've taken it from you. I've received that. Recently, it was Christmas, and many of you, hopefully, perhaps, got gifts and when you did, they handed you the gift. Someone brought the gift to you, or they said the gifts are there, and you looked at them, you saw your name, and you received it. You took it with you. You took it into you, in a sense. In other words, what was there, you read it, you brought it to yourself. This is now mine. It's like the first three words that children learn. And remember this, those of you that have new kids. It's the word ma-ma. Number two is the word no. And the third one, it's mine. Okay, those are the three words generally, all right? And so you want to say, this is my word. I got God's word in my heart. That's the receiving part about it. And you really want to put it into your life. There's a gentleman here today that comes occasionally. He's been to some of our on men's events. His name is Jim Curtin and I hope you have a chance to meet him. He's a man that has gone through a lot in his life. A man who um, knows what it means to seek God for wisdom. I asked him to come today. He didn't know I was going to share this, and you can relax, Jim. I'm not going to embarrass you too much, all right? But it's hard to embarrass Jim anyway, so here we go. Many years ago, I pastored in upstate New York. He was with us in the church, and it was my passion that I would get our people reading through the Bible. Reading it doesn't automatically instantly give you wisdom, but it, you can't get wisdom if you don't get into the room where wisdom is. Reading gets you into the room where wisdom is. Do you agree with that? Say, uh-huh. All right. So I said, why don't we read through the Bible in a year? And anybody who reads through the Bible in a year, um, Carol and I will cook them dinner at the end of the year for reading as a reward. Now I have to tell you, the emphasis is on Carol, not I. Okay, cooking the dinner, all right? But she went ahead and she made the meal, and there was present here. Well, Jim, as busy as he was, he owned a company that manufactured all the heavy equipment that makes leather and turns it into suede. So it was a big international company, owner, operator, CEO, as busy as he was running the ministry of pro-life in our ministry. We had a big pro-life program and all that, deacon, et cetera. So he and his son got together and said, let's read through the Bible. And so for one year, he and his son read through the Bible. Now, when he got to the end of the the year, his son was always one of those precocious kids that read through it and had it all done just to say, I've already finished, you know. And, And dad was staying up all night on New Year's Eve to get it done so he could get the meal. But even to this day, years later, he realizes wisdom is found in the word. And for me to get wisdom, I have to go into the room. And I get into the room by reading scripture. When he talks to you, it'll be about scripture. Get to meet Jim afterwards. He'll be out in the foyer of the lobby, just so you can hear about how important wisdom is in reading scripture. I put two verses in your outline. Those of you that are listening that don't have a copy of it, I want to read them to you. It's about two different groups of people. One was the church in one location that was known as the Bereans. The other was the church that was in Thessalonica. Look at what Paul had to say about the word of God. In Acts chapter 17, verse 11, he commends a group of people, in many ways, I would like to say, the people like right here at this church. You remind me of the Bereans, dear ones. And here's what he wrote. He said, now these Bereans were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica. So he is now comparing the two together. It's not very politically correct to you know, kind of have favoritism to one above another, but he did. And he says, you're more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica. Well, why is that? Why are the Bereans better than the Thessalonians? It says, here it is, for they received the word. Underlying the word they, so you know it wasn't one person doing it. It was they as a group doing this. Then it says the word received. That's our operative word for getting into the word here. We have to receive it. all right. Then it says the word, and now underlined with great eagerness. In other words, it wasn't like, oh, i got to read the Bible again, or oh, we got to hear this message again, or, oh, i got to do this again. No, it was great eagerness they wanted to get in the word. In other words, they realized that they had a famine in their heart of ignorance that they wanted to fill with wisdom, and they knew the only way to get that is to somehow get into the word. So with great eagerness, they approached the word to receive it. But go on. It says examining the scriptures daily. We'll talk about that in a moment, but they didn't just read it. They, they, they parked on it. And then it says daily, underline that. So in other words, no Bible, no breakfast, no Bible, no meal, to see whether these things were so. So they were with great discernment. Now, I'm not going to go off on a tangent so you can relax, but I'm going to give you a little, little pet peeve today. People sometimes ask me because of our, our national ministry, Stan, what do you think is lacking in the church today? Most people would like to say worship, or they might even say evangelism, and I'm really high on evangelism and worship and all of that. But that's not what I think is missing in the church around the world today. Here's what I think is missing. I think the church around the world today is missing discernment. That they are doing church, living life, making decisions, with a good heart mostly, I can't judge their heart, only God can do that, But I think they're lacking discernment, wisdom from God's word, a deep and accurate understanding of God's word. And perhaps that's why there's so much challenge in the world today, watch this now, within the churches, and then within the world, who looks at the churches and says, if that's Christianity, I don't want it, making it even harder for those who have discernment to try to reach those who are putting down those that should have it and don't. Well, that's enough of that. We're going to go on a tangent. But the idea is that they received the word, they examined the word. But now let's go to the other one with the Thessalonians. Look what he says here about them, which is so cool in 1 Thessalonians 2.13. He says, for this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, circle the word received, so both the Thessalonians and the Bereans, they received the word which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, which is cool there. It wasn't just like some guy preaching at them. They saw it as God. They were listening to God speak when the word of God was read. But it says, but what? But for what it really is, the word of God. So now you have the word of man, the word of God. You have the wisdom of man, the wisdom of of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. Now take your pen and underline the word in, in, in you, in you. That the word of God, when you receive it, it is now in you, and it now can perform. So if it's not in you, it can't perform. But now it has that phrase, and now you'll put parentheses around this one. Put parentheses around the phrase, who believe. Who believe. All right. Now I'd like to take a moment or two and speak to those of you who are on the outside looking into this message, and it's a a, a message about reading the Bible and the value of all of that, and it's important to do all of that, but... I would like to tell you that unless you trust Christ as your Savior, unless you become a blood-bought, born-again believer in Christ, blood-bought, Jesus' blood on the cross, died and rose again, and you're a genuine believer in Christ alone for your salvation, all that I'm telling you is still good, but you won't understand it. Like one person said, you're like a blind man in a dark room looking for a black cat that isn't there. You went in the room, I get it but you're not going to find what we're talking about, this wisdom, because it won't perform in you unless you believe. So the whole hallmark of this message, if you say, where do I begin with all this stuff you're giving me, Stan? All right, the first thing you got to do is you've got to trust in Christ as Savior. Christ has got to live inside of you. When you trust Christ as Savior, as your Savior, in other words, you say to your works, my good works won't get me into heaven, Jesus died and he rose again, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I'm trusting in Him and Him alone.
1: You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible.